Welcome to Run to Thrive, a show for runners who are ready to live, lead, and run with more energy, engagement, and enjoyment in their everyday life. Each episode, you'll gain insight, inspiration, and motivation, and hear from leaders, influencers, and everyday heroes who run to fuel their success in life and work so that you can learn how to thrive on the run and beyond. I'm Matt Mills, a professional life, leadership, and running coach. And I'm so excited that you're here so that you can discover how running can help you step into your greatest potential and develop a stronger body, mind, and spirit. Ready to go? Let's get moving. On this episode, my guest is Laura Honeycutt, a former 25-year advertising veteran who went from a burnout with imposter syndrome to personal power accelerator. In her former career, she led award-winning advertising efforts for Fortune 500 brands like Walt Disney, Hallmark, and Sprint, just to name a few, all while battling a fierce case of imposter syndrome. In our conversation, she shares about how running empowered her to take control of her life and her career when she needed it most, and how completing three marathons helped her overcome judgment, fear, and her own imposter syndrome to then transition into a new career as a success mindset coach, serving clients at top-tier global companies and helping them claim their personal power in order to reduce stress, elevate confidence, and unleash their inner badass. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Laura. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Matt. So good to be here with you. Yeah. You know, when we're talking, it's in the middle of COVID and, and all of that. Are you training for anything right now? I'm not. I was, I, I haven't even really been thinking much about training for a race this year and really kind of trying to lean into what's the right, what's the right distance that I want to mm. train for. I'm not so sure I've got another marathon in me. So then the question is, do I go the easy way and do a 10 mile or mm. do I maybe go for a half, which you've got to train a little bit for. <laughs> so in that in that complete indecision, I did not sign up for any races. And now it's looking like there aren't going to be many, if any. Not anyway. in the immediate future, no. And you've done three marathons, right? I've done three marathons, yes. Okay. All in Chicago. When was the last? Uh, the last one I did was in 2016. Mm-hmm. So, so a few years, yeah. Yeah. So you're probably going to start getting that bug <laughs> at Maybe, some point. Yeah, it could yeah. be. Could be. You know, I, I I tell myself sometimes you're getting a little old for marathons. It doesn't feel as good, oh. uh, and so I, I that's one of the that's one of the indecision points for me this year. Is as as I think about the last one that I did, I was really religious about the training. I yep. did the cross training. I did I did everything. I was really rigorous about stretching and, and I adhered to the training plan to the letter and even put mm-hmm. in a little extra and it was hard. It felt really hard even after doing all that work. So then it yep. makes you think, hmm, I don't know, maybe a marathon is just a little bit too much for me. Yeah. Are you able to keep up with a running routine right now? Absolutely. I'm lucky. I live kind of out in the suburbs so it's easy to keep your distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there aren't a lot of amazing options like, you know, living in a city, especially living in Chicago, you've got that gorgeous lakefront. It's 17 miles long. There's plenty of 
territory that you can cover and get this great view and a non-stop running experience where you don't have to wait for traffic lights and whatnot. Yeah. I have fewer options out here in the burbs, but there is a pretty nice little trail not too far from me that I can access without driving. And I like to run over there and it's wide open and there's hardly anyone else out there. So you feel like you can stay pretty safe. Yeah. Safe and you have that peaceful environment that you can get out in. Yeah, yeah. which is nice. It goes along a river and it's wide open space. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, around here, it's just, it's a bunch of big fields and prairie. Uh, and we don't have a lot of scenic beauty except for Lake Michigan. And if you don't live on the lake, you don't get that. So, yeah. uh, so having a little bit of a, of a path along a river is nice. And it's nice to just be in that wide open space. Yeah. So you've had, you had a successful career in marketing and advertising. Now you work as a certified success mindset coach and you're also a runner. You said three-time marathoner. So I'm actually curious, what is your running origin story? My running origin story. Okay. So it started, well, let me, I have to kind of preface all of this by saying that growing up, I was not one of those kids that exercise and mm -hmm. athletics and sports was, it was not in our family values. So of course our parents took good care of us and they encouraged us to eat healthy, but it just, I just was not one of those kids that was raised to be athletic. Yeah. And so in 2008, I really went on this I'm going to I'm going to change my life and my body and I'm going to become healthy and I'm going to get fit and as part of that process I started incorporating exercise. Mm -hmm. My thing with exercise is I I I had a really hard time finding anything that I enjoyed doing because it all felt like work to me because yeah. it wasn't a value that I was raised with. Mm -hmm. And so as part of that journey where I was improving my body, I thought I need to, I need to have something that's like a big challenge that is going to motivate me to do that work. And so I signed up for the breast cancer three day, the Susan G. Komen three day walk. Yeah. It's like a 60 mile walk over three days. And it's, I mean, that is a big endurance event, even though as a runner, a lot of people think, oh, pff, anybody can walk, you know, I run marathons, <laughs> anybody can walk 20 miles, no big deal. Yeah. It was harder than it sounds. And I was really disciplined about training for that. But that is a lot of work. It is, yep. I mean, you know, when you're, when you're training to, you are literally walking all day long and then mm -hmm. you go and collapse into a tent and you get up the next morning and you do it all again. And then you get up the next morning and you do it all even the third day. Wow. And it's exhausting and rigorous. And so I wanted to make sure that I was ready for it. So I yep. trained very religiously. <laughs> and so, you know, these training walks that you would do just like a long run, right? It, it's, it's a mis massive chunk of time. And yeah. when you're walking it, it's an even more massive chunk of time, even if you're going to the 15 minute mile, which is what they're trying to, you know, train you to do. No, it takes that commitment. Yeah, for sure. And so when I finished that, I was in the best shape of my life and I thought, okay, this is awesome. And I want to keep this going, but I don't have six hours on a Saturday to 
you know, walk 15 miles. So I'm going to, and I don't know if, you know, maybe it didn't take six hours, but it sure did feel like it was a lot of time. (laughs) And so I, I thought I might, I might need to start running so that I can be more efficient because I've got the bug now I'm into it. I like how I feel and look, I'm in great shape. I want to keep it up. And so I started, I started learning to run. So I did, and this was, I think, Technology has improved a lot since 2008. Uh, I did the couch to 5K when it was still like you went and downloaded it yep. to your iPod. And then it <laughs> told you day by day, right. step by step, literally step by step. And mm-hmm. it's still a it's still a pretty popular way even, that people get started. Yeah. Yeah. Even with funky music. Like he I did not oh, like yeah. his music taste, but that was what it, <laughs> that was what you got. So if you wanted the guidance, you know, yep. that was like his voiceover, you had to yep. take his music. Yep. And I, so I immediately started this Couch to 5K program. As I recall, I think it was about 12 weeks and it was going to culminate almost exactly at Thanksgiving. So I signed up for a turkey trot, like mm-hmm. a 5K, and that was going to yep. be my very first race ever. And I signed up for this race. I did it by myself, no one else in the family did it, but they were all out to support me and cheer me on. And I ran my very first race Thanksgiving day of 2008. And then I just kind of had the bug. I liked racing. It was fun. Even though I was, I was not competitive about my pace. I just loved the notion of standing up at a starting line, the adrenaline, and then crossing that finish line and feeling this sense of accomplishment that I did something that was hard. I couldn't run to the end of the block. I could walk yeah. miles over a weekend, but I couldn't run to the end of the block. Yeah. And you were breaking those limiting beliefs that you had. And it was just mm-hmm. in this, this one area. So it was around 2008 when that was happening. Where were you in your career at that point? Cause I know you were working in marketing and advertising with a lot of big brands, Disney, yeah sprint but what was going on in your career when when you started on this journey as a runner oh that's such a good question matt um because i i distinctly remember that that was a time in my career where i was feeling kind of lost and it's one of the things that set me on this journey of self-improvement because Mm -hmm. there was so much going on around me that felt out of my control and 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 i felt really kind of like a victim to it all. And I thought the only thing that I can really control is me, my mind and my body. I have absolute dominion over that and no one can tell me what to do and no one can tell me how to do it and no one can do it for me. And this is my control. Yeah. And so at a time I was working in advertising, I was at an agency it was just a, it was a rough time. There were, there was a, a, a really big acquisition going on and, and all of the management was changing up and all of the roles were changing and it, it just, it was super stressful. And yeah. so I started turning to that. This is what I can control. And that makes me feel strong. And, um, and so that's really, that's the origin that's, yeah. You know, started really small, but it became something where it's like, okay, to sustain this, I got to, I got to pick up the pace because I work in advertising. I don't have all yep. this time to, you know, exercise. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting when you talk about it in terms of what you can control, because especially 
when we're in a stressful career environment or there's something else that's going on in our life and we just think, where do I start? Where is it that I can gain some of that sense of control? And, you know, when you start running, you don't always realize that that can be the outlet where you can have a lot of that control. And as you said, take on this new challenge that could show you that you could be successful in this. And so it was, it almost felt like it was not something that you had intended to kind of go into it doing, but it then became something where it was really could be that center of control for you and empower you in all of those areas of your life. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's interesting, Matt, because you're, you're right. It's like at the beginning, I I I went I went into it for a very specific reason. Yeah. But I didn't know I didn't I didn't know half of what I would get out of it on the other side. Yeah. And it's just kind of it 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 it, it was one of those great life lessons for me because what I what I discovered through that process was everything just felt like it was spinning out of control professionally. Yeah. Personally, I was strong and and on top of it and and powerful and successful and and disciplined and and everything was just so perfect yeah in that segment of my life what i did not expect was how it would change everything in all the other areas of my yeah. life when i started to focus on that yeah that's how powerful it can really be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it can sneak up on you like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I know that you focus on in your work and one of the things that you talk about that you had struggled with in your career was the idea of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear more about that from your perspective, like how that was impacting you throughout your career. I, I mean, that's that's to me like the the essence of imposter syndrome is giving away your power. It is allowing what other people think of you or what you think they think of you to tell you who you are. And so when you think about how successful you might be at work and deep down you're telling yourself, well, I don't really think I'm all that good. I think it's just a matter of time before someone figures out that I don't belong here I just got lucky to be here. And you are, you're constantly, when you're in that place, you're constantly looking around you for the signals that tell you that you belong there. But here's the way the brain works. The brain is constantly trying to validate a thought that it has. Yeah. So if your thought is, they don't think I'm qualified to do this job, the evidence that your brain is going to look for is that you're not doing a good job. It's that confirmation bias. Yes. Yep. So then that sends you through this process of, I have this thought, this thought brings up an emotion in me, a feeling. Mm -hmm. That feeling then determines a course of action that I'm going to take. That delivers a result that validates the original thought. Mm -hmm. And so you get in this endless loop that, even kind of snowballs as yeah. it continues to roll down the hill because the more you validate the thought, you're like, see, I, I told you they didn't think I was any good. 
And, <laughs> and so then you look for that more evidence. Oh, there's another one. See like, okay. And how does that make me feel? And what does that make me do? And then what result do I get? And so all this time you, you were in this endless spinning, this drain where you're like spiraling further and further and further down. And then it should be no surprise at all if you get a bad performance review or yep. if you, uh, you know, if, if you don't reach your bonus target or if you get passed over for a promotion or you don't get that job that you're looking for and that just feeds the cycle, right? It just, it yep. just keeps you going down that same spiral of I'm no good. Yeah. And how was it that you were able to overcome this? It took a very long time. So my advertising career lasted about 25 years. Yeah. I had amazing successes. My LinkedIn profile is completely tricked out with awards and these like videos of the kind of work <laughs> that our team produced that I even still kind of look at it and go, I can't believe I did that. Um, and a lot of validation that was appearing on, on your LinkedIn. All and the evidence. Just ex yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All the evidence that I was completely killing it and I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I just felt like it was a fluke or, oh no, it was the, it was the team or it was the creatives or, you know, it was because of that awesome media buy or whatever. There was always some reason that couldn't be me. Yeah. And so... I let that go on for a really long time. And one of the things that for me kind of, kind of kept me one step ahead of it was just changing mm -hmm. jobs. Anytime it started feeling like they're on to me, I got to bounce. I got to move on. You know, if I would sit in an interview, I was constantly trying to spin all of the reasons that I changed jobs so frequently, <laughs> but I never said, Oh, it's really because I don't think I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and, and that was really, truly the reason. So it got to a breaking point in my very last job in advertising. It was just a real pressure cooker. And it wasn't, mm -hmm. I did, I did not expect it to be that when I went in, I, the, the job to me seemed, it seemed like it was going to be challenging, yep. but not as rigorous as a lot of the advertising jobs I had had in the past. And my intention was, this is my swan song. This yep. is going to be the last thing I do professionally before I retire or decide to start something on my own. And I was right. It totally was. <laughs> but for all the reasons that I, I didn't imagine. But it was a, a really political environment. And there was a really, really mean bully mm -hmm. in the organization. And it just was, it was one of those things where it's like every, every time I turn around, I feel I'm being thwarted in what I was brought here to do, which was really be a change agent. And my inner strength is being a change agent. I've always been like a super opportunistic, yep. always seeing an opportunity, always thinking outside the box, shaking things up, trying something different. And that, that kind of personality is a really hard one to manage in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. Nobody really knew what to do with me. And so when I met with resistance of powerful people who truthfully now I see felt like they were going to be showed up, showed up in a big way, you know, yeah. I, I thought it, I was going to outshine them. It, exactly. Yeah. When, when I met with, with that powerful resistance, the message that I received that I told myself was, I can't handle this. I can't do the thing that they brought me here to do. It couldn't have been farther from the truth. But because I believed that 
everything that I did just helped to reinforce that. Yep. And it got to a point where, you know, I, I worked my fingers to the bone. I was, I was constantly working because I was constantly trying to prove my worth and, and bonus time came around and, and basically I got like a mediocre review and, and not a very good bonus. And, and I was just devastated. And I thought, this is, this is it. I, I, I cannot keep doing this. Yeah. And so I had a pretty tight network of coaches and trainers and I started connecting with them and talking about like, maybe, maybe I need to hire someone to support Mm -hmm. me through this. And as I'm having these conversations, it became really clear to me as I'm talking to these coaches who are supporting me through this crisis. Yeah. Wait, that would actually be a really cool job. It would be really cool to be that person who can stand beside you and help you see things that aren't obvious to you and help you learn how to shift those stories so you see yourself in a different way and overcome the things that you're doing that are getting in your own way. Yep. And so when I realized this was it and hey, I can do this on my own and I never have to work for the man again. And then I don't have anyone standing over my shoulder, second guessing me or thwarting me politically. I don't have to worry about any of that anymore. I was very quick to action. I, I researched coach training. I wanted to be certified. I looked at different programs. I talked to a lot of people. Something was coming up when I made this decision. It was probably six weeks before like the next round of the training program I selected was starting and I enrolled and I went in after the first weekend of training and resigned from my job. And within a month I was gone. What I'm hearing from that too, is you were looking for that empowerment. Yep. You didn't have it. And then you found a way to empower yourself. And what's so interesting, and I always see a lot of parallels for when people, that's why I always love to hear what your origin story is, is because mm-hmm. a lot of times what people are looking for in their careers when they get to these points is a lot of the same things that they get when they start running. Yes. And so you talk about how you became empowered when you started running. That was something that you wanted and that you then discovered was that empowerment. And you were like, that's it. That's what, I was, that's what I'm looking for. That's yeah. what I'm looking to do. I'm looking for that new challenge. And so I, I love hearing that journey. Yeah. I love that, Matt. And I, I never really thought about it that way. So that's just a brilliant observation. And yeah, I mean, it, when I look back and I think I was in this time where I felt so powerless and I found something that gave me that power back. Yeah. And it was coming from me, yep. right? It was 100% entirely me, which is what's so awesome about running, right? There's no team. I like teams. I've got nothing against teams. But when you go out and run, it's just you. It's you and the road, yeah. right? And no judgment. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the road doesn't care how fast you're going or what your form is like or whether you're hydrated or anything else. It's just, Hey, here you are. All right, let's do this. And yes, the parallel, I realized for me, this environment where I was, I always felt so confident. This is the thing about imposter syndrome. Yeah. I always felt 
incredibly confident. I knew deep down I was good at what I did. What I didn't know was whether anybody else thought it. And I Mm. gave them too much of that power, right? And so this is why you see super successful people when they say, oh, I totally have that imposter syndrome. And it's like a jaw drop moment. It's like, that can't be true because you're so successful. Look at you. But that's the whole thing. You know, the whole, the whole thing is I didn't think that my confidence in myself was enough. I felt like I needed to have it from everybody else. Mm-hmm. And when I decided I just need to get out of this place where there's too many other people I can give that power to. And so what does that look like? When I, when I do something that's just me, it's only me, it's all about me. I get to call all of the shots. I get to try things and fail. And I don't have to worry about any kind of repercussions because it's just me. That was a really attractive thing for me because deep down, I, I knew I knew what to do. I just didn't want to have anybody else second guessing me. Yeah. It's almost that awakening. It's always that question of what's the cost. Yeah. And is it really worth it to be going through where I have to be validated Mm -hmm. from these external sources, external people. And so that can be really powerful, but it's also even more powerful when you have that awakening, when you're like, I have this power, I have this control. Sure. Yeah. So I want to know for someone, you know, a runner who might be experiencing imposter syndrome in some area of their life, whether it's their career, at home, wherever it might be, what, how do you coach people around that to help them overcome imposter syndrome? One of the things, Matt, that I say to all of my clients and everyone who experiences imposter syndrome, which is a lot of people, I mean, I think we all have a little bit of it in some way, shape or form is this is a lifelong process. It's, mm-hmm. It is never going to go away. If you know the author, Liz Gilbert, she talks yeah. a lot about fear yep. and, and how even as a very accomplished, successful, prominent writer, every time she sits down to start a new creative project, she has to go through this rigorous process of calming down the fear. Yeah. And, and, I kind of feel like if someone like Liz Gilbert is still fearful about whether anybody's going to be interested in a book that she has to write, yeah, then that's enough to tell me this doesn't ever go away. This no. is going to stick with you for your entire life, and it is a long game. And so there are things that you can do to shift that immediately, and it doesn't necessarily stick immediately. Mm-hmm. So you can start taking some little baby steps to overcome it. And at first it's kind of like when you first try to run, right? The couch to 5k, you first try to run and you can't run to the end of the block. It's like, okay, you know what? Just run for 30 seconds. Now walk for five minutes and then try another 30 seconds. Right. And then a couple days later or the next week, okay, now you're going to run for a whole minute. And so, you know, you start out slow and you start out just running for 30 seconds and then walking five minutes. And then the next time you try it, it's I'm going to walk five minutes and I'm going to run a minute. And before you know it, you're running five minutes and walking a minute. Yeah. And it is the same with some of these tools that I use. So some of the things that we we do are reinforcing this self-validation muscle. So finding ways that 
you stop relying on the people around you and all of the things that are outside of you Mm-hmm. to tell you who you are and you yeah. start telling yourself who you are. And one of my favorites is a really simple process that I call success journaling, which mm. is just keeping an ongoing list of all the things that make you awesome. Yeah. It's like, like having a running journal. <laughs> totally. Totally. So, you know, just start practicing its skills, attributes, Um, you know, something about your personality, it can be, it can be tiny and it can be huge. Anytime you have a little successful moment, anytime you think of something that you're good at an accomplishment, what someone said to you, write it down and keep that running list. It just takes about five minutes every day to do this. And as you, and as that list grows, you can go back and revisit it and you can start reading it. And at first, it might not feel true. Yep. But eventually, you can start saying, you know what? Yeah, I am actually, I am actually good at this. Yeah. And I do have something to offer. And I'm telling myself that and not relying on other people to tell me. That makes total sense. And I think that that's where sometimes we can get caught up in thinking what it is that we need to do or what we're lacking. Instead of celebrating everything that makes us who we are and can celebrate that. I mean, yeah, I've, I've heard that people have said, like, keep a brag folder for emails. You know, when you get a compliment or some, a client tells you you did a great job, like, make sure to do that. And I even see that with runners, especially with people who are getting started, where they're like, how am I ever going to get to a 5K when I can only get to the end of the block? Yeah. But you got to reframe that. You know, right. you have to think, you did something that was an accomplishment for where you are right now and you need to celebrate yeah. that. I mean, when I when I crossed the finish line of that very first 5K, yeah. I was so proud because I would have never called myself a runner. I was like, you know, <laughs> I was like the chubby kid and I, you know, like the thought of 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 ever running a 5K was just so far out of reach for me. But then when I did that, I thought Oh man, like that was awesome, but I could I could never run a marathon. Like there's no way I could do something <laughs> it's like that. The biggest limiting belief I hear from it people. Really and I'm is. like, that is absolutely not true. Yeah. It's absolutely not true because it's like, well, no, you can't right now. You just you, you can run a 5K, but yep. you couldn't run a 5K 12 weeks ago. And now mm-hmm. look at you. It only took you 12 weeks to do it. Yeah. So then that's when you, and this is where I think you can look outside of you to recognize like it's doable. I mean, when Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile, people, nobody thought thought people were going to die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's like, it's just not possible for the human body to do that. And he proved everybody wrong. And now like a four minute mile, like everybody, like all the elites can do that. That's like the price of entry. Yep. Um, for an elite runner. And so, and so I just, I think, you know, looking around and saying, this is, this is achievable. And if they can do it, why can't I do it? Yeah. And that's what I know you talk a lot about that success mindset. You know, yeah. you're a success mindset coach. Yes. And I talk about the runner's mindset and, 
you know, it seems like a lot of those tools that you were talking about, those are so important for mindset. And I know that you talk a lot about mindset, you help coach around that mindset. And so I think there's a lot that people can learn from running to help with your mindsets and your work in your life and your career. So I'm curious to know more about your thoughts on, you know, what makes a successful mindsets and what are some of the tools that you can learn from, from running to help improve that mindsets? One of the things is baby steps. By the time I got to a place where I could conceive of myself running a marathon, I had at that point run a few 10 mile races mm-hmm. and I had just completed a half marathon. And so I was no stranger to running at that point, but it still seemed very daunting to think about tackling a marathon. And so two things, two things I think were game changers for me in that process that I, that I think you could apply to career or life in general. Yeah. And one of them is baby steps. Yeah. So, You can't run a marathon today, but can you run six miles? If you can run six miles, you're ready to start training. Yeah. So it's a process of identifying like, what what do I already have in my toolbox? What am I already able to do um, that I feel confident enough about that I can take a step? And then you go through training. And I remember the very first time I ran a distance that was longer than a half marathon. So from that point on, every long run was the first time I had ever run that distance. And so being able to kind of break it down, I would say every week, okay, awesome, that was 14. And next week is 16. How am I going to run another two miles? And my coach would say, you just will. Yeah. And so that's the second part. The second part is, Get yourself a partner who believes in you before you can believe in yourself. Yep. And whether that be a support group, a team, a coach, a mentor, whatever that looks like for you, someone that you can lean on who can say, well, you just, you just will. There's just, uh, there's just not a question, no question in my mind that you can accomplish this. So how about I just believe it until you get to a place where you can? Yeah. I've heard that before too. It's, and it's so powerful. It's if you can't get to that place where you believe in yourself yet, Mm -hmm. find someone who will believe in you first. Yeah. And I think it's also so interesting because it seems like when it comes to imposter syndrome and comparison and all of that, all those steps that you just mentioned, it can help to overcome all of that. And one thing that I heard that I kind of picked up was for running or for any of these big challenges that you have, whether it's starting a new business, whether it's embarking on a new venture in your career, it's always a series of firsts. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you become a runner, when you're training, even if you're seasoned or established, it's always going to be the first time you do something. And it's an opportunity for you to really build that confidence with every single first that you take. That's right. And just marking it, right? Like yeah. acknowledging, hey, I did that thing that I didn't think I could do. And if I did that thing that I didn't yeah. think I could do, why can't I do the next thing? 
that I don't think I can do. Yeah. And, and you just, you just keep moving forward. So you have a really fixed end goal in mind. What's the distance that I'm training for? Yeah. And that's my goal. And I've got this partner here supporting me and, and coaching me and pushing me and believing in me. And I've got this track record behind me. I've got, I've got all of the, all of the training plan that I've completed up to this point Yeah, that shows me I can do these hard things. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, it, 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 it doesn't seem believable, but then it's like, you look back and you go, well, that didn't seem believable either. And I did that. And then I go way back and I go, there was a time in recent memory when I couldn't run to the end of the block. Mm-hmm. And I just knocked out 16 miles. <laughs> yeah. So I think one, the biggest takeaway is always acknowledge your successes, no matter how far back they are, no matter how recent, no matter how small, all the big ones, just really keep acknowledging mm-hmm. how big of a badass you are. How and which is why right? I want to talk for a moment. You have this program coming up, Unleash Your Inner Badass Bootcamp. Yes. So tell me about that and how how can people find out about that? Yeah. So this program is something that I created for, for people in a group to come together and not only learn some new skills and tools Mm -hmm. to conquer the symptoms of imposter syndrome, but also get support from each other. So what we do is we have an hour each day where we meet as a group and I share some new principles and some tools and worksheets for people to work on on their own. And we tackle three topics. Um, The first is called thinking on purpose. And this Mm -hmm. is where you learn how your thought process creates your reality. So this is that, that model that I was talking about earlier, the TFAR, I call it, um, where you, you go down this process with a thought that delivers a result that validates the thought. Um, and so we start using some practices on, okay, let's play that out using a different thought. And so that's what we do in the first day. In the second day, we talk a lot about what I call comparanoia, which is comparing yourself to everyone else and feeling really crappy about it. Yeah. Um, and so we've got some tools that we go through to start training you to think about things through a different lens. So you are not living in this place of comparison. And what that really comes down to is starting the self-validation process. I'm comparing myself to someone else. And that is telling me something about myself, which is that I suck. Um, (laughs) And so we need to start changing those stories and start talking to ourselves more compassionately. So that's the practice of day two. And then day three is about overcoming what I call FOPO, which is fear of other people's opinions. Mm. This is a big one for a lot of us. Yes. Um, and, and so everybody, I think, has a little of this FOPO on some level or another. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that's how we were conditioned, you know, way, way back, you know, our prehistoric ancestors had to fit in or else they would get kicked out and eaten. So, so FOPO can be really insidious. And so we've got some really awesome tools to practice. Um, Again, building up that self-validation, self-affirmation coming from within. So you're not looking externally for it. 
So that's the boot camp. It's three days of pretty intense, uh, life-changing work. And I like to say the most important work that you will ever do in your life. That's great. And hopefully you can sprinkle in some motivation for, to get them running. Yeah, yeah. maybe. <laughs> maybe I'll start have to bringing in some guest stars to, yeah. uh, to talk about some other ways to, yeah. to build that up. Well, how, how can people find you? People can find me uh, by visiting my website. It's coachhoneycut.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook. My, my Facebook handle is also Coach Honeycut. So mm-hmm. look up Coach Honeycut on Facebook or visit coachhoneycut.com. And either way, you'll be able to find out about when the next boot camp is going to be offered. Well, make sure that you all follow Laura. She is amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I loved chatting about your story, your story as a runner. And then just, I think people are going to feel really empowered and be able to take back their control. So thanks again, Laura. And I will catch you on the run. Thank you for having me, Matt. Thanks again for joining us on the Run to Thrive podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you're interested in learning more about how you can live, lead, and run at your best, visit coachingontherun.com and follow on Facebook and Instagram at Coaching on the Run. And if you like what you heard today on Run to Thrive, please leave a review and remember to subscribe to receive new episodes as soon as they're released. Until next time, I'll catch you on the run.